Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Civil Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say thank you so much uh, to everyone that is here this morning. I also want to take a moment to greet those that are joining us online. Thanks for uh, hanging out in our online campus or however you're viewing this or listening to this today. Come on, Simple Church. Let's greet one another. Let each other know you're glad that everybody's here and joined us. Uh, for some of you, though, you might be here and it's your might be your first time or maybe you've been hanging out here for a while. I uh, want to invite you today to uh, make yourself known, stand up, come to the front. Just kidding, don't do that. I don't want you to ever do that. Uh, actually, we, we don't ever want to want to embarrass anybody that way. So here's what we ask, uh, just so we can, we can get to know who you are, is to reach into the seat back in front of you, you'll find what's called a Connect card. Take a moment to fill that out, and a Connect card that if you'll fill that out, drop it by our Connect Center right over here after service. I'll be there, and we will have a team of people that love to meet you, uh, but we have a gift to give you for filling out one of those cards. So uh, take a moment to do that anytime during service today. Also, on the back of those Connect cards is a place that uh, if you want to take notes for the message today, which I encourage you to do, because we believe when we come to church that God's going to speak to us. Amen, everybody? And so taking notes is something that we want to do. We want to be students of the Word. So if you don't have your own notebook, you can use those Connect cards there. Uh, the, the, the Connect cards you use for notes, you don't have to turn in at the end, by the way. You can, you can use multiple. That's fine. Just, just want to give you some freedom and liberty. It's just a piece of paper, guys, so it's all good. All right, well, <laughs> before we get into uh, what we're doing today, I want to first say thank you to all those of you that were on the team serving breakfast with the bunny yesterday. I don't know if you saw that online, but man, I went and um, got a chance to pray with and greet everybody that was there. And, uh, and I had to leave because I come here and lead prayer because we have prayer on Saturday mornings here at 9 a.m. And uh, But I went over there early, met the kitchen crew, met the rest of the team that was serving, and it was such a fun group that I was really sad to have to leave it. So uh, thank you to all those of you who served yesterday. I know that the impact of that is yet to be felt. Uh, there was already many people that were talking about how good it felt to get back out into the community and serve. And so as good as that felt for you, understand you are sowing seeds, influencing, and making a difference for the kingdom. Amen, everybody? It's just important. So thanks for going. Uh, now this week, uh, last Sunday as we started the message I talked to you, I said three, we're three weeks out from Easter. And at the beginning of my time, I, I said, hey, listen, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to ask the Lord, who is it that you should invite to Easter service? Because Easter's a great time to invite people. People are looking for a church service to attend, and it might as well be with you, right? And so I ask you, in that service, I ask you to ask the Lord, who is it I should invite to service? And I, and I gave us a space. Like, hey, if the Lord drops a name in your heart and you hear a name, that's your person. So spend the week praying for him, and hopefully you've been doing that. But now, now today is your opportunity, and going forward this week, I want to encourage you, since you've been praying for him all week long, now it's time to invite them. And I want to give you some tools to do that. We've actually went and printed some specific invite cards 
for Easter, and then we have some general invite cards, and we have them kind of scattered throughout the building. Uh, they're, this, they're, they're about this size right here. I love this one. It says, bring your peeps, and it's got a peep on there, which these are the most disgusting candy known on the face of the earth. Wow. Uh, listen, I don't yuck your yum. Don't yuck mine, okay? I don't. This is yuck for me. Um, but, it's, but these are hilarious, and so uh, we've got a lot of different versions of the invite cards, and uh, so, so they are, there's some at the Connect Center, but also right now in this moment, if you will throw your hand up, I've got a team that will make sure we put some invite cards in your hands right now. So if you need an invite card for somebody, throw your hands up, and I've got a team of people who will keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, and we'll, they're running as quick as they possibly can. There you go. Hey, there's a, a good-looking fellow right there in the middle. with a, He's handing out some cards. Perfect. Thank you so much. Keep them up high so they can see you. But take these invite cards, make sure you invite the person that you've been praying for. And then, you know, uh, a very common practice is to, if you go to a restaurant, man, leave your tip. Leave a nice tip and then leave an invite to church, right? If you're going to stiff them, do not leave our information anywhere near that table, okay? Uh, in fact, if you could just, you know, not even, not even let people know you're a Christian, that would be great because that's, a, that's not a great representation of us, okay? So, so if you're going to love somebody, be generous, you can drop these off. But invite somebody to church. And uh, do that this week, all right? That's your challenge this week, because again, people are looking for a place to go. And I understand that we have this fear of rejection, but here's the thing. We can either operate in fear, or we can operate in faith and watch God show up and do a miracle, right? Last week, I asked you how many people wound up in a church service saying yes to Jesus because of an invite, and that was the majority of us. So your invite matters. Amen, everybody? It matters. So invite somebody to church Easter Sunday. Also, this week, this Wednesday, is our first Wednesday. We do leadership. Uh, we do leadership for life. That's what we call it because it is all about that. We believe that every single one of you is influencers, and what we're teaching you here is how to be how to grow in your influence. On Wednesday night, from seven to eight, we keep that time that time frame pretty tight because we want to honor that time. Uh, but we want to give you tools that you can use in your community at home to grow you in, in a, on a personal level so that you can grow in your influence with others. So, so if you, we do this on the first Wednesday of every single month. I would love to see you there, whether you're in a leadership position or not. You have influence. There are people that you are influencing, and that makes you a leader. So come and join us. Uh, that, is, that is open for students to adults. Would love to see you here on Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, all right? Okay, well, let's jump into what we're doing. We are continuing this series called uh, Hashtag Blessed, and I just have a quick question for you. How many of you guys enjoy taking tests? By a show of, of hands, hands up. How many of you enjoy taking tests? Oh, wow. I don't see any hands. Oh, there's a couple. There's a couple of you guys in the back. All right, so a few people like taking tests. How many of you guys have heard of something called testing anxiety? Anybody heard of that before? Okay, I'm not asking you to identify if you have that, but what testing anxiety essentially is, is people that, that are stressed or worried about taking a test, like, leading up to it, right? Like, it's not the day of the test necessarily, it's the anxiety that comes uh, leading up to it. It's, they're worried about passing, and they're worried about passing for a number of reasons. They're worried because, well, maybe there's some privileges on the other side of passing, like some sports, or maybe there's an activity they want to do, or maybe... Maybe, maybe mom and dad are just like, hey, if you want to have the car this week, you're going to have to pass that test, right? So, so they've got some anxiety. They, they're worried about passing the test that might cause them to lose some sleep. It might affect their attitude. It definitely impacts their relationship, and maybe it causes them to lose their appetite. 
Uh, and I, what, what I think is interesting is that having testing anxiety, because it puts such a stress on us before we even get to the test, that it even impacts our ability to take the test, right? It's kind of like this doom loop that we get caught into because we have testing anxiety. So I'm going to help everybody today. Are you ready? Do you know how you beat testing anxiety? Well, <laughs> that, that's, that is an answer, but <laughs> yes, but also I would say uh, don't pay attention in class because if you don't know the test is coming, you have no stress. <laughs> At least that seemed to be the attitude of a lot of people in my class, right? They just didn't pay attention because, because if you don't know that it's coming, you're not stressed about it, right? You get to class and and all the hallmarks are there that the test is coming, right? But unless you're paying attention, you won't notice that it's quiet in the classroom when you walk in, that everybody's got their nose in their books or their review sheet, and they're all scribbling and talking next to each other. You got one guy over there who's actually pretty religious, and he's like this, dear Lord Jesus, he said, I just read over this, and I hope you bring it back to my memory, everything that I just read, amen, right? <laughs> like, what in the world? There's a scene playing out before tests, Right? And you walk into the classroom and you sit down and your, your buddy leans over and says, man, you ready? And you say, ready for what? For the test. And your response is, what test? I didn't, I didn't know there was a test. I, I didn't know there was a test. Before you know it, the test is on your desk. Now, if, that, if you ever wind up in a situation like that, just mark C. Statistically, the answer is C. Unless it's a long-form essay, just writing C doesn't help, okay? But just just just. Just you see? You're like, man, is, is this really your attitude? Is this your approach to education? Maybe. I mean, I didn't do too bad. I graduated 10th in my class of 20 kids. So. <laughs> well, here's. <laughs> true story. <laughs> here's why I, uh, I bring up a surprise test because each and every single one of us, all of us Christ followers here, we take a test. And we take a test every time we get paid. Every time there's an increase in our lives, we, we take a test. Some of you are like me. I take the test once a month. I get paid once a month. Some of you guys, are, you take the test every two weeks. Others of you get paid weekly. Some of you get paid daily. Some of you don't get paid at all, and that's okay. But, but we all take a test every time we get paid. And the test, here's the test, is who are you going to thank for that income? Who are you going to thank for that increase in your life? And the way you pass or the way you fail that test is your response. It's what, do you, what you do with that first 10% of your income. Who will you thank as an act of worship for your income? Now, some of us, we thank Capital One. Now, they give us cash back, but they can't bless the rest of your finances when we thank them first, right? Capital One can't do that. Only God does that. And when we worship him, when we honor him and we do it first, he promises that he'll bless our finances and he'll bless us. So let me show it to you today. What I'm talking about is the act of tithing. Everybody calm down. I'm just going to teach through it today, all right? And I'm going to just share with you that tithing leads to a life that is indeed hashtag blessed. It'll be blessed in ways that we cannot understand. So let me take you first to Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. And this is the prophet Malachi. He's saying this, but this is what the Lord told him to say. So watch what he says. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now, I want you to notice that as we read through this passage, God identifies himself five times. It's almost like he wants you to make sure that you key in and remember 
that a pastor didn't make these verses up. That it wasn't a priest who decided, hey, we're going to go ahead and include this in here. That this is God speaking. And he's saying, hey, and by the way, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not changing around this issue. He said, I'm the Lord. I do not change. He said, therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. In other words, he's letting them know, because I'm a good God and because I'm full of mercy and grace, you ain't dead yet, right? So he's going on. He says, yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept, to, kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? So remember, this is God talking, the God who doesn't change, and he's telling them, you've gone away from my ordinances, which ordinances, let me just kind of break down what that means. It's just the ordinary behaviors, right? You've gone away from the ordinary behaviors that I have decreed, the way that we're all supposed to behave. You've gone away from these principles of ordinary behaviors. Let me give you the Pastor Aaron version of that, all right? God is saying, stuff I told you that you know to do, that everyone has been doing for a long time, that stuff you ain't doing. That's the stuff. And he's saying, hey, we need to come back to these things. And they're like, what? No way. What way? And God's like, Yahweh, right? Like, oh. You know, I laughed pretty good when I wrote that in there. Felt good. Felt good. Almost called my wife in the room and told her the joke, but I wanted to hear her genuinely chuckle this morning. Thank you. But God's like, seriously, seriously. He's like, there needs to be a return to these ordinary ways that I've established. These, these ordinary habits, and God continues, and he says, will a man rob God? Yeah, you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? God's kind of having this conversation back and forth before they can even have it, right? Like, I know what you're going to say, guys. I'm God after all, right? Like, I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to be surprised by your response, and this is how this is going to go. Will a man rob God? Yeah, you robbed me. You say, in what way have we robbed you? And his answer, in tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. He said, you are cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, let me just bring some clarity to these verses. I've heard this, that, that because we don't tithe, God's angry at us, and God's cursing us. Eh, wrong. God doesn't curse anybody. That just does not happen, okay? God is, all good things come down from our Heavenly Father. That's what comes from God. The fact is that since the very beginning of time, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and sin entered into the world, all of creation has been under a curse, and God's identifying this, saying, hey, everything's under a curse here. And you're under a curse. You remain underneath this curse in your finances because you've robbed me. Because God's declared, hey, the tithe is mine. It belongs to me. That first 10%, it belongs to me. And you're robbing me. Now, you're not robbing God of money. God doesn't need your money. Let's be clear. We know from last week that God's after your what? He's out, he, yeah, he's after your heart. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But what you are robbing God of, since you're not robbing him of your money, what you're robbing him of is an opportunity to bless you. See, we need to understand that God is our heavenly father who is in love with his dear children. That's me and you. And he, just like any good father, wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. He wants the opportunity to break the curse off of our finances. And so he continues on. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which by the way, that's his house. He says that there may be food in my house. That's the church. 
He says, and try me now in this. Some translations say prove me or test me. This is the only place, by the way, in the Bible where God says, test me. No other place. Because he knew that if he didn't give you an opportunity, this is the number one test for our hearts. It's money. And he said, you know what? I know how challenging this is going to be for all my kids. So I'm going to put out a test, but I'm also going to allow you to test me. He says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Again, repeating who he is that's talking. If I will not open you up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Now, he didn't say that I'm going to give you so much money. He said, I'm going to pour out a blessing so that there will not be enough room to receive it. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. And again, he says, who's talking? It's the Lord of hosts. Five times he identifies himself. This is God talking here. The God who cannot change is calling out a departure from his ordinances, calling out a departure from tithing, which is what was a way for them to demonstrate, God, hey, I'm so thankful for everything that you've given me. Now, this, this practice of tithing was, this, was very ordinary and had been for a long time. And because he'd gone away, they'd gone away from it, God couldn't bless them like he wanted to. Now, as parents, you understand this, right? Anybody, anybody a parent? You got a kid? Okay, when your kids are being obedient, when they're, they're, they're hitting the mark, they're doing everything you've asked them to do, how do you feel, right? Isn't your heart just like bursting? Like you want to, I want to buy anything for them. I want to do anything they want. I want to be a blessing to my kids. I love my kids. But when my kids have missed the mark, my kids are all grown now, but when they miss the mark, when they haven't honored me or my ways or what I desire for them or what I've laid out for them, when they haven't, do you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to bless them. They're outside of my blessing at that point. They're never outside of my love, but they're outside of my blessing, and I won't bless them. Parents, we, don't, we just don't do that. We do not bless disobedience, and God won't do it either. In fact, he uses strong language around this situation because he feels robbed. He feels violated. Like, you're, key, you're the one. You hold the keys to unlocking all of this blessedness I have for you, but you got to do things my way. It's this if-then kind of thing with God, and we see that all throughout Scripture. But I think it's against his nature not to bless his kids. He wants to bless us, but he has a desire for us to trust him to pass the test of our hearts so that he can bless us. So the first thing you need to know if you're taking notes today, that tithing, tithing's a test. Tithing is a test. Now the word tithe, let me go back to the Old Testament, this is where we get it from, is a Hebrew word that means 10th or 10%, okay? Now I think God shows a percentage when he talks to us about giving because he wanted it equal across the board. He's aware that some people earn more money than others do. And so it wouldn't be fair for him to say everybody has to give X amount of dollars, but it was fair to say everybody could give a specific percentage. So even if we didn't give the same amount, we gave the same percentage. And I think the reason he may have chosen the number 10 is because the number 10 is used all throughout Scripture when it comes to testing. It always represented a test. Let me show it to you in scripture. And this is a little bit of group participation here, okay? So, so let me just ask a question. Just shout out the answer if you know it, all right? And, and you may not, but you'll, 
You'll see a pattern develop here, okay? How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Yeah, the answer is ten. Yep. You'll see a pattern here. Uh, now, I could have asked the question, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Because that's really what that was. When you read that story, the plagues were, came, but Pharaoh's heart was the one that was being tested, right? Okay, so how many commandments are there? Yeah, there are ten commandments, right? And each of those ten commandments, what do they test? They, they test our hearts. There's ten. How many times did, you might not know this one, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Yeah, it's ten. Yeah, there's the, there's the pattern. You got it, okay. Uh, how many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. Yeah, it tested, it tested Jacob's heart because Jacob wanted uh, his bride, Rachel, and he had to work for her, and his wages kept being changed. And so how much do you really love her? How is you, are you really into this? Uh, all right, how many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Can I get some more participation? Yes. There we go. Thank you. That's right. That's it. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? Yes. How many disciples were there? Yes. No, there were 12. That was a test. That was a, that was a test. There were definitely 12. <laughs> Tithing is a test, guys. And it's one of those things, it's a two-way test, as I mentioned already. When God's testing our hearts, God's, God's also allowing you to test him, to try him, to prove him. He wants you to see what he's made of. And he's like, so test me. And testing him, though, is on the other side of you passing that test, right? Will you worship him? Will you honor him? Will you thank him for your income? Will you choose to believe that God can do more with the 90% he leaves in your hand than you can do with the 100%? That's, that's, what, that's the test. Will you choose to believe that? And if you will, then he will bless you like he promises. Now, I want to be clear here. This is not about your salvation. Salvation is free, okay? Jesus paid the price for that. All you have to do is receive that. This is not about your salvation. I, I don't believe this is a heaven or hell issue. This is a heart issue, though, okay? Salvation is paid for by Jesus, and we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But if you want this curse broke off of your finances and off of your life, tithing brings that blessing in. Now, I, I know the pushback. I've been a pastor for nearly nine years now, and I've been in every conversation with lots of people when they push back on tithing, like, well, Aaron, you know, tithing is in the Old Testament, so it doesn't apply to me. Tithing was under the law, and we're no longer under the law. We're actually under grace today, and so what was in the law doesn't apply to me anymore, and if, and if you're in that space, um, can I just ask you a question real quick? Does anybody have their wallet with them today? Would you just, uh, just a few people, just hold up your wallet or your purse. Anybody got that with them today? Don't, don't fret. Yeah, I'm just going to come out here real quick. Let me see. Oh. Uh, I'm looking for more. Oh, here. Oh, this, this is a purse right here. Yeah, this is, this is nice. It's very nice. It's, oh, oh, we got one more back there. Look at this. This, this is really great. Okay, so this, this is perfect. Now, since we're not underneath the law and stealing was underneath the law, that means that this is now mine. And because we're under grace, you have to forgive me and toot sweet. So just do that, okay? Oh, that's, that's not okay? Okay, my wife will return these. Here you go. This is Aaron. This is Charlie. And that's Vanetta. There you go. Thank you. Isn't she pretty, everybody? <clears throat> Now listen, just because something was underneath the law doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to us today because murder was underneath the law, adultery was underneath the law, lying was underneath the law. All these things, they still apply to us, right? 
they still apply. So just because tithing was underneath the law doesn't mean that, that it doesn't apply to us. The principle of tithing existed since the beginning of time. It existed within uh, the law. Our, our, the fathers of our faith did it, and Jesus talked about it. So I'm going to show it to you today, and here's the next thing about tithing you need to know. Tithing is biblical. It's all over the Bible. So I'm going to show it to you because people actually doubt it. They argue with me. It's not in the Bible. It's not for us. And I'm going to show you how it is for you, how it is in the Bible, and that it's biblical. So here we go. Genesis 14. By the way, the word Genesis means the beginning. Genesis 14 says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, which is like a form of, of communion, right? Melchizedek's an interesting character. If you ever get a chance to read about him, he's this, this guy. He's, like, he's a king. He's a priest. He's kind of a type and shadow of Jesus. Some theologians say that it was, was a Christ, a form of Christ. We don't really know, but in Hebrews it talks about him. He's one of the most interesting characters of the Bible. It says that he had no record of beginning or end, no record of father or mother, that he was a priest forever after the order of, of, of that Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek, right? It's just strange thing. And he was the, the king of Salem, so he's the king of peace. That's what Salem means, right? And he's also this priest. And so there's just these, these correlations and these connections to who Jesus was, okay? I just wanted you to know he's an interesting character. So here's Melchizedek. He brings out bread and wine. Jesus did that too, by the way. And he was the priest of God most high. And he, this is, this is Melchizedek, blessed him and said, blessed be Abram, which by the way, Abram's name becomes Abraham later. God does that a lot. He changes people's names. And he says, uh, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, this is Abraham, this is the, the father of our faith, he gave him a tithe of all. The father of the Jewish nation, the father of our faith, tithed to Melchizedek 500 years before the law. He tithed to this type of Christ, Okay. So next week, I'll show you how, the, how this principle existed 2,500 years before the law, but, but let's keep going. So, so Abraham tithes. It's a, it's a practice of his. And then we see in Genesis 28, this is Jacob. Now, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob is tithing. That means that Abraham taught Isaac, and Isaac taught Jacob. It's an ordinance. It's something, this is ordinary behavior that was passed down. And it says, this is Jacob, and this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. He called it Bethel. And he said, of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So I'll bring the tenth, and I'll bring it here to God's house. Jacob, who, by the way, later on, God changes his name to Israel. And you'll recognize that name because the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Israel, become the nation of the Jews, the Hebrews. And so they wind up in Egypt because of this famine and the situation. Great story there. They wind up becoming enslaved and multiplying greatly underneath this oppression. And God delivers them out of the land of Egypt. And as he's delivering them out of Egypt and taking them to possess their own land, look what God tells them to do. Leviticus 27.30. And it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. God's saying, Mine dibs. That 10%, the first 10% belongs to me. It's mine. He said, it's holy to the Lord. Holy means separated, set apart. It's his. And this is where God makes it clear that this is a community standard. It's not just 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, and his kids, everybody going to do this. We're all going to be part of it. It's not just a good thing to do. We're going to do this all together. God has separated or set apart tithing unto himself and for his house. He's claimed it as his own. And what he does is God gives us all that he gives us, and he asks for us to give him back 10% and then to keep the rest of the 90. He's trusting us to be good stewards with what he's given us. And when we don't, we rob him. Let's keep going. He says in Deuteronomy 26, And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and as you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put in a basket and go to the place your Lord God chooses to make his name abide. Again, this is God's house. Then look at verse 13. He says, Then you shall say before the Lord, I've removed the holy tithe from my house and also given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments, which you've commanded me. I've not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I've not eaten any of it when in mourning. In other words, that when, when times get tough, I didn't spend the tithe on, on my bills. I didn't go, well, it's a rough week, and I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to trust the mortgage company over trusting Jesus things difficult. He said, I haven't done that. He said, I, nor have I, I removed any of it for unclean use. So this is sinful purposes. And you can imagine the sinful ways that you can spend your money, specifically that first amount that's supposed to be given to God, nor given any of it for the dead. I've obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and done all according to that you've commanded me. Now, because he's done that, he gets to say, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. See, when you remove the tithe from your hand to God's house, then you can ask him to bless you. It's a, uh, that's the test, and it's, and it's biblical. It's here. So, so that's the Old Testament. So let me ask you something. If Jesus, the Savior of your soul, were to say, hey, everybody, we need to tithe, would you feel more comfortable about it? You don't have to answer out loud. Just think about it yourself. If Jesus said tithing is a thing, if we go to Scripture, and I can find those words in red, which, by the way, if you have a print Bible, the words in red are all things Jesus said, and we can find it in red, would it be something you'd consider? Would it be something you'd take as a commandment? It's like, hey, this is, this is what we should do. This is what God has for us. I would hope. Here it is. Matthew 23, 23. This is Jesus. He's talking to the pastors of the day. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you'd pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, which, by the way, these things are, or cumin, excuse me, these things are all spices. It's like you tithe on all, the, all these little spices that you're growing. You tithe on your income, you tithe on your spices, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What's Jesus doing? He's confirming, hey, the tithe thing's good, and I applaud you for doing that, but there's this other stuff that you've left undone you need to make sure you do as well. Faith, justice, mercy. Like, you need to do both of these things, right? We need, we need to be doing them both. There he is. There's the words in red. That's Jesus. That's our Lord. That's our Savior saying tithing is the way that we ought to go. And it's not about salvation. It's about the ordinance that God uses to bless our lives. And Jesus confirms it as part of our lives. And Hebrews even says why and says something really cool about this. Hebrews 7, 8 says, here mortal men receive tithes, like here on this earth. So when you give... Here, you give in the give box or you give through digital means. And when you give, we have, have men and women that receive them. And there's, there's a stewarded, stewardship team that oversees how those funds get used here for this church. 
But as, as, even though men receive them here on this earth, Jesus receives it in heaven. He says, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. So when you tithe, when you give here at, at a church, when you give to God's church that way, what happens is that Jesus in heaven is receiving it. That means it's something that's very, very personal to him. And I think that's something, that when we honor God, when we worship him, when we thank him through the tithe, Jesus receives it in heaven from us. So tithing is a test of our hearts. It's absolutely biblical. And finally, tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Watch what happens here. We're going to go to an Old Testament story where where they discover uh, that they weren't tithing. There's There's a king named Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was known as good King Hezekiah because he was a good king. He, he was very well beloved. He wasn't perfect, but he was loved. And Hezekiah, he's reading through scripture one day and he discovers the verses on tithing. He says, like, oh, hey, are, are we doing this? And he finds out they're not. That the people aren't doing it. The king's office isn't doing it. Nobody's tithing. And he's like, hey, this is, this is a point of, of our lives that we're in disobedience. We need to continue this again. And so he issues a decree that everybody's, everybody's going to start tithing. And here's what's interesting to me. He issues it in a season of economic recession. He issued the decree when it was tough for everybody to go, you want me to do what? You want me to give my first 10% and bring it to the priest and bring it to God's house? Yes, that's exactly what he wanted him to do. So it says this. He decides that obedience is best. And in verse, uh, 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4, he says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites, that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So the tithe comes to God's house, and it's used to support the priest's work. Today, that, that's the same. You have pastoral staff here, right? And they, they all serve in, in different capacities here and do different things. But your pastoral staff are the ones who, throughout the week, are preparing things and getting things ready for you to come here on a Sunday morning to be spiritually fed, for you to be ministered to, and all the things that this church does, all of that starts with somebody on this pastoral team. All of that is led by and overseen by those things or by those people. So my question is, who pays their salaries? Who pays for the building? Who pays for the utilities? Well, somebody has to, right? Somebody has to pay these things. Who pays for the, for the people that are spending their time organizing our, our, our grow groups or overseeing the, the kids' ministry or serving and leading the Ignite student ministry that meets here on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock? Go Ignite. You got teenagers. Get them in. It's good stuff. Who's, who oversees paying the bills? Who oversees the maintenance of this place? Somebody does that. Somebody has to do all of that prep and all of that work. Here's my question for you. Would any of you ever go to a restaurant? And I'm not in any way trying to shame anybody, okay, at all, at all. I'm just asking a question. Would you ever go to a restaurant, order a steak, eat it, and then leave without paying? Some of you are like, well, maybe. <laughs> Depends on the situation. I would say that, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm just, this is a statement of fact, is that some Christians do this every week when they come to church. They come, they enjoy, they're ministered to, but they, they walk out on the check. And I, and I don't mean that for that to sound so blunt and for that to sound so, so harsh. I don't mean for that at all. I need you to be very, very clear, very, 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 very clear that I'm just sad for you because I feel like you're missing out on the joy and the blessedness that comes from being part of this, from contributing to it. You need to remember that as your pastor, I don't want anything from you. 
We're not in a financial duress. Our church is fine. We've got money in the bank. That's not why we're talking about this today. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And you need to know that, that I want you to experience the blessing that God talks about in his word. Remember, he's the one who wrote this, not me. I'm not exploiting it. In fact, if you feel manipulated to give, don't give. That's not what I want. What I want is you to accept an invitation to the blessedness that comes from participating in tithing. That's what I want from you. Tithing will transform your life. It'll transform your kid's life. It'll transform your grandkid's life. It will bring a blessing that you cannot contain. That's what God says. So back to Hezekiah, he issues this decree to get on board and watch what happens. Verse 5, as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance, the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, and also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps, so there's piles now at the church. And in the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. These two months that they're talking about, uh, they're talking about the season, the harvest seasons, okay? And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And then watch this, Hezekiah panics a little bit. Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord. We have had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. So Hezekiah sends out the command that we're all going to tithe, and the people start doing it during the harvest months. And then the king comes in, sees the heaps of, of food around, and he's worried about the people. Whoa, did they go overboard? Did they give too much? I know we're in the middle of an economic recession. This, these heaps, these are all way more than I ever expected. And he says, are the people okay? <laughs> Do they have enough? And the priest's response is, yes, they're good. That as soon as they, the people started tithing, God blessed them. He blessed them so much that the heaps that they were seeing were simply just the 10%. That everybody was doing so well. He's like, go check it out. Go check out the 90% that's left in their hands. They have more than they know what to, what to do with because God had started blessing them. Tithing, tithing is a blessing. Now, I've been a pastor for nearly nine years. And I hear two stories when it comes to tithing. Modern day stories. And they always sound like one or the other. The first is, if you're talking to a tither, they go, I'll never not tithe again. I'll never not tithe again because of the way God has blessed me. The joy, the experience of giving and contributing to the work of the Lord. God's blessed me abundantly. I'll never not tithe again. The other story I hear is, I can't afford to tithe. And I understand that story because my wife and I were in the same place. We, we were absolutely in the same place long before we became pastors. We're talking about 2010. Now I was a tither when I was a young man, but when I walked away from the Lord and, and eventually came back, tithing wound up in the bill column. And I was like, well, this is not really an important thing. I didn't understand the principle of tithing. didn't understand what it was all for. I knew I was supposed to do it, but I was like, eh, it's not a heaven or hell issue. I'm not going to do it. I'm just being honest. Hope you can handle that. But at some point in time, I, I talked to my wife, and I felt, I was like, you know what? I really want to test the Lord. I want to, I want to step into this. I want to do it. I, want, I, I feel like we need to tithe. And we both looked at our bills. We looked at all of them and said, we don't have enough. If we, if we do this, we, we won't have enough. 
So I'm familiar with that story of I can't afford to tithe. But I'm going to tell you, we decided to do it, and we decided to do it in a December month. That's a hard month to do it. Because Christmas, travel, all the unexpected, you know. We love to give gifts. We, we love to surprise people. I mean, I'm sure plenty of you are in that boat. December was a hard month to choose to tithe, especially when we knew we didn't have it. That on paper, it, this wasn't going to make sense. And I remember we started in that December, and at the end of that month, the, the miraculous happened because we had more money than we had month. Most of us, we have more month than we have money, right? We've got to run out before, before things are over. We, we experience that. But in the first month that we chose to tithe, we looked at each other very confused. How did that happen? I still, I still don't have an answer for that. But what I can tell you is that God is faithful. That, that he says, test me. Test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. See if I won't pour out a blessing. And whether that, but no matter how that blessing shows up, that's his promise to us. And we had more than enough at the end of the first month. And so I'll say to those of you that say, I, I can't afford to. You'll never be able to afford to until you do it. Because tithing is what breaks the curse. Tithing is what opens the windows of blessing on your life. So, so, so take the challenge. Pass the test. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you do it. Tithing brings God's blessing. So if you want to live a blessed life, if you want all the blessing God has, test him. Test him. You know, I used to, because the church we came from did this, I used to offer a 90-day money-back guarantee on tithing. Those of you that have been with us for a while, you remember that. Let's say, try me. If God doesn't bless you in 90 days, come let me know, and we'll write you a check back for everything, because we keep track of every, everything that people give. You know, we do that for contribution statements, and you can claim it on your taxes, and because we're a charitable organization, and on things go, you know. We track all that. And so if, if, if you begin to tithe, and God doesn't bless you, come and ask for it back. We'll give it all back to you. No problem. I never had anybody uh, actually come back and ask for it back, though. But the Lord did tell me to stop doing that. He said, Aaron, if, if you continue to do this, they're testing your word. They're testing you. Their faith is in, is in you, and that, that you'll give back to them. He said, I want them to test me. I can bless them in a way that you can't. And so I don't offer that anymore. I don't want to get between you and your faith journey and what God has for you. Test him. Just see. Just see what will happen. God promises that there's a commanded blessing here. All through Scripture, you'll find that God is, one, is a God of if, then. If my people, go to 2 Chronicles 7.11, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and pray, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. And he talks about the blessing that he pours out. If, it's the same conversation we have with our kids, if, you will obey me, then there's this, there's blessing. If you will honor me, you can have that. God is that God, and you'll find that all through Scripture. Tithing is a test. It's biblical, and you'll be blessed if you pass the test. Let's pray. I wonder if right now in this space, you'll just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you saying to me today? What, what, what do I need to hear today? What step 
do I need to take today? What conversation do I need to have? Is there something that's holding on within my heart that's keeping me from taking this test or passing this test? Like our role as Christians is to let God do in us what he wants to do in us. To let him get in our business. To let him get into our hearts. So much so that as he does, it actually impacts the way we behave. The way we live. And as he transforms our hearts, because that's what we're after. We're not after behavior modification. Lord, what's in my heart? What are you saying to me today? Listen for it. He's a God that speaks. He gave you his spirit so that you could be transformed. And his spirit is ready to speak if you're willing to listen. What is God saying to you through this message? Some of you might, the thing that he might be saying today is that it's time to surrender. Well, I don't just mean about tithing. Maybe it's time to surrender your entire life. That today, maybe, maybe some part of this message you've understood, God's love for you is great. He's not angry at you. He knows what you did last night, and he's not mad at you. You are his child, and he loves you desperately. He loves you so much that he gave the best thing he could give, and that was his only son. If you're a parent, you understand what a sacrifice that is. You understand what that cost him to give his son. Jesus came and lived the perfect and sinless life so that he could pay the price for our sins. The best we could offer to pay the price for our sins is eternal separation from God. But God sent his son, Jesus. He gave him generously to us. And Jesus generously and obediently laid down his life, was brutally murdered on a cross, for preaching the kingdom of God, for preaching love. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead on the third day, and he sent his spirit to dwell inside of us. What Jesus has for us as a result of his sacrifice is forgiveness. It's a new start. It's an opportunity to get a redo. It's an opportunity for us to surrender our lives to him. To surrender the control. To say, I'm going to do things your way. And I'm not going to do them perfectly. But I'm going to walk in your grace and your forgiveness. And I'm going to learn from you day by day. And I'm going to be transformed. And I'm going to know the full and the fulfilled life that you have for me. Oh, and when I leave this earth in whatever fashion that you choose to take me out of it, I get to be in heaven with you forever. This is what God offers. And when you surrender your life to him, this, the exchange that he gives you, if you will trust him, is freedom, forgiveness, eternity in heaven, and more. Today, if you're ready to surrender your life, say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you wanna be included on that prayer, every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around, so, so nobody's gonna ask you to do anything. I'm just going to ask you to do one thing, and that is to slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. Include me on that prayer. If that's you, shoot your hand up. Say, that's me. Maybe that's you and you're, you're on, online or you're, you're watching a podcast or listening through a podcast. And 
Right now, that's you. You're going to make that commitment too. Join us. Let's everybody pray together. Everybody pray out loud because there's no reason to pray alone. Everybody say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Transform my life and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Simple Church, can we celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today? Come on. Let them know they made the best decision ever. Now listen, if you made that decision today, whether in person or online, uh, grab that Connect card. If if you're online or listening through the podcast, there'll be a a link for a digital Connect card in the video description. You can click on that. Man, fill out that Connect card. Say, I said yes to Jesus today. We would love to help you understand what your next step is and what it looks like to be part of a spiritual family because, man, you're in one now, whether you like it or not. You're in it, and we're all part of it. Amen, everybody? And uh, we're excited that you're here. We want to journey with you. And so filling out that Connect card is the next best step you can do. That gives us an opportunity to connect with you and, and, uh, and walk, out, walk out that spiritual journey. Now, as we wrap up our service today, again, I've already said it, but you're under no obligation to give. If you feel compelled to give because you know under some kind of duress, don't do it. Don't do it. But if you're here today and, and you're ready to give, there's ways to do that here on the screen. These are all the digital ways. But there's a give box in the back of the room. Offering envelopes are in the seat back in front of you. You can use those for your convenience. Uh, but again, want to invite you to first Wednesday, th- this Wednesday, uh, 7 to 8 p.m., right here in this space. And uh, I'm going to pray for you all, and then we will dismiss. But uh, if you have anything that you need prayer for, our pastoral team that will be here to pray with you. I'll be over here at the Connect Center. would love to meet you. Uh, and so let me pray real quick. Lord, thank you again for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for this series, God, and, uh, and the call to the, blessed, uh, to the blessedness that you have for us, the life that is blessed, and abundantly so. Lord, I pray this week as we make steps and take steps towards obedience, Lord, that you would bless us in Jesus' name. God, be with us. Uh, help us use every dollar that is given wisely and honorably to reach people that are far from you and help people take their steps towards Jesus. Lord, it's in your precious name we pray. And everybody said? God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week.